Welcome to Product Design Bits. This is an event series brought to you by the product design team at Datadog, where we share insights on how, why, and for whom we built products alongside an invited guest. On this episode, we talk about the first 90 days in a design leadership role with Kim Callery, Product Design Director at Datadog, and Maya vandel Guerin, Head of Product Design at Aircall. This episode was recorded live at the Datadog Paris office with your host, Theodora Blindu, Product Design Manager at Datadog. Maya vandel Guerin is Head of Product Design at Aircall, a scale-up building a phone system, living and operating 100% in the cloud. Self-made designer and natural leader, she is keen on sharing her knowledge and experience to build strong, confident, and creative design teams. She has been working for over 20 years in small to medium organizations, spreading design methodologies to focus on innovative solutions. Welcome to Product Design Bits, Maya. Thanks a lot. Really happy to be here tonight. Happy to have you as well. I learned today that the Aircall office is so close to the Datadog office, you can actually see it. Yeah, just one block away. So that's cool. (laughs) But we actually met today because Maya is often busy giving workshops or traveling. Traveling all all that. So that's, yeah. But it was cool to have a small catch up before this event. So feel more confident about it. Great. (laughs) Me too. Um, and next, I have the pleasure of introducing a dear colleague of mine. Uh, Kim Callery is the leader of a global design team at Datadog, working on a SaaS-based data analytics platform. She's known in her industry for providing dynamic leadership through mentoring, coaching, creativity, and collaboration, and delivering innovative product solutions via lean and agile methodologies. Her passion lies in designing, teaching, and exploring creative, innovative, and fun ways to help people solve problems. A seasoned design leader, Kim has spent over 20 years in the trenches building products for medium and large organizations. Welcome to Product Design Bits, Kim. Thank you. Let's play. (laughs) Uh, You should also know that Kim is based in Austin, Texas. We're very lucky to have her in our Paris office for the week. We should probably also say that you are my manager. She's my boss. I'm very excited to be here all the way from Austin, Texas. But she's definitely the boss in case anyone's wondering. I like to think Kim also is my mentor and my coach. So all of this to say no pressure for this event tonight. (laughs) Talking to really two great design leaders tonight. It's going to be great. Tonight is all about product design leadership, a topic I'm very uh, interested in having chosen leadership path myself. And more specifically, we'll be focusing on onboarding in the leadership role. Maya and Kim, you both hold very impressive roles at Aircall and Datadog. Congratulations, and you should be very proud of yourselves. Um, Can you please tell us more about what you were hired to do in your roles? So, yeah, I joined Airco like uh, four months ago. Uh, it seems so long now. Um, so I joined because the company is like like the end of the startup phase and entering the scale-up phase. So it's also a way to kind of get be more structured. But also they wanted to focus on improving the design maturity within the company. So today we have a small team of, we are six people 
uh, one user researcher and product designers. Uh, and we are structured based on the product um, main target users, so the admin experience, so the administrator and supervisor of the call center, and the agent's experience, so the people doing the calls and receiving the calls. So it's really a small team and a lot of challenge to raise for the for the company. We are based in Paris, some designers are in France, and also a team in the Madrid office. So it's worldwide, but less than you, Kim. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've already spent too much time together. Um, I think we're best friends. So I also have joined Datadog just about four, four months ago as a senior director of design. My scope is um, over application performance monitoring, uh, digital experience monitoring, and logs management and observability pipelines. So try to fit that on a business card. Um, it is a lot of wonderful products that work well for the developer. Um, and I technically was brought in to help scale the organization, improve the user experiences, and also bring in enterprise design practices. So my background, it comes from larger to... <laughs> Hi, mom. <laughs> um, my experience comes from larger to enterprise size companies. And so bringing some of that as Datadog scales as they went public uh, just around two years ago. Um, so I also came from different size teams throughout my career. Um, I started obviously with one direct report and um, at my last job, I had 55 reports and <laughs> there was like a wow moment there. Um, and, um, and then here, our teams range from sizes anywhere from five to about 30 people. So, you know, helping to kind of scale all those different areas within the design org. As you've heard it, so Maya, you manage a smaller design team, also a smaller product scope. Kim is on a larger team and uh, like a lot more products. Um, what is the difference when it comes to day-to-day -day responsibilities when looking at what we call first line management, which is what you do today, Maya, versus executive line management that you do, Kim? Yeah, but for me, Every day is like managing the daily design team routines, uh, improving the methodology, but also like keeping sync with my peers, like head of product manager, and also trying to contribute to the roadmap and influence the strategy to improve the user experience of the product. Um, and... I'm also really hands on some projects. So on the strategic project, I'm also doing design and contributing a lot. So it's really uh, a way to be hands on, communicate with the team and the peers and the top management. So I think the main difference is maybe that I'm more hands on design than you. Yes, I am definitely not hands on design at this point. Um, and definitely my last job. Um, I, I was a design executive at IBM before this, and I was definitely not hands-on. I think, I think um, my joke here is that there are definitely people that feel as though there's no difference between these these roles, like first line management and executive management. And I think as companies are larger, they definitely is a difference. I think the action of what you're doing is the same, but how you do it is differently. Like 
my peers are product management. My peers are development. They are, I'm stuck like glue to them, um, whether they love it or not. Um, and, you know, we're working on the product strategy. We're working on the culture, the feedback, you know, making sure that we're making good decisions across the products and for the company. And while you're doing that at a first line management, your number one priority, however, is building those products and building that specific team member. And we have to do that at a much larger scale. Mm -hmm. I'm actually curious to know what skills do you think are best for first line versus executive line management? Like where do you draw the difference? Are there special superpowers you need to have, um, Kim, maybe for executive line management? Um, I don't think there's any superpowers. I, I definitely think um, you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable um, at this level. Like you have to be okay sometimes going to conversations and being the one that says no. You have to be the one that pushes sometimes and opens the space for your designers to be able to actually do what they need to do. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, you still need to have a foundation in design and understand design and be able to, with a critical eye, look very quickly in and make some good assessments and pull yourself back out. And that's, I think, something that you learn over time. Yeah, so I'm having also executive management uh, a bit lower than you, I guess. But uh, uh, yeah, it's also like sometimes as it's a small company, it's like direct touch point on some specific topics and projects. So I like the fact that you say that you have a, to be a bit fluid between the no, it's not what we want. It's not the vision we had and and it's not where the company wants to go better. Okay, but also trying to value why you did something and, and also show the value of the design. So it's a bit different because it's, again, more hands-on and uh, regarding operational projects. But uh, I think it's also like being fluid and know to when to value and when to say, okay, I don't want to fight for this. Uh, what, are your, what were your previous experiences that helped you land where you are today? Um, so for me, I joined Aircall because we were looking for someone being able to manage like a small to medium team. Uh, and also having people, someone who liked me work on different type of users. So in the previous company, like Deltador, uh, it was also to kind of target users, like the installers of home automation devices and the daily users. So being able to handle two types of users for the same product and make sure that we can access and, and give value for them. Uh, it was also, they were also looking for people who worked on bigger company. So when I work in Technicolor, for instance, it was a big company with a lot of process and, and different ways of working, like someone who can handle but not being in a startup because at, uh, the company wants to evolve. So also being able to accept that you have different ways of working than uh, like the freedom that a startup could offer. Yeah, so I think that... Um I also came from larger companies and this was a startup and there was specifically an allure to have somebody that had those different perspectives to bring to the table to kind of show different opportunities throughout the team. I think, you know, in my career, I was super lucky. I've had sponsors, mentors, coaches, allies, all people along the way that have kind of said to me like, yes, keep going or 
you are messing up. I will not curse. I will not curse. Um, you know, you know, you know, go this direction instead. Or, you know, when there are tears, they're there to help you clarify that, you know, things are going well. And so I've had a past of companies. I've had career jobs. I've worked at Cengage Learning, which was, you know, library databases. I worked on Rocket Mortgage app, which is a mortgage company in the United States. Um, and we literally changed how the, you get a mortgage in the United States. Um, and then working at IBM, I was on um, Watson, the AI, you know, artificial intelligence products. And, you know, it's all three different experiences, right? You have the developer needs, but all of them have been... Um, really cool products that have given me really hard problems. But at the end of the day, the people that I have worked with on all those jobs, the people that I've kept in my network that I can still call upon when I have problems or need perspectives, they're all there for me. And that's really helped me get to this point. Wonderful. So those were really great, nice introduction laying the ground. When I was talking to both of you a few months ago, I learned that you both coincidentally started at your respective companies in September. So uh, this is what we're going to dig deeper in today, basically talking about design leadership and the onboarding phase specifically. I thought that was a great opportunity to dig deeper into this very specific subject. Um, so in chronological order, we're going to talk about uh, onboarding, starting with the preparation for a new leadership role. So after years of working elsewhere, for both of you, how did you prepare for a new management role and what was that like? Uh, so for me, it was kind of easy because uh, a new VP product joined Airco like a year ago and they had a lot of changes in the design teams. So before hiring a new head of design, he hired a freelancer doing like part-time head of design and he prepared and structured things. And so together, the VP of product and the freelancer organized a bit the team and defined what they were expecting for the head of design. So when I joined the company, I had the opportunity to have lunch with the inter in, in Intense head of design, let's say. And so I get to know the lucky to know everything about the team, the ways of working, and the expectations also from the boss. So it was really cool to have all those insights and and yeah, to get to know the team a bit before and what they were expecting and and also the things that I could bring to the team. So it was really good to have this opportunity. Did you prepare at all before? So you got the job, you interviewed, obviously it was a very tough process or easy process. You got the job. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, a bit concerned about being like accepting the team because I heard that all the changes occurred. So yeah, I was like more trying to organize a bit the way I was planning to get in the team and then a bit beyond with the product team. and uh, But um, not much preparation. I like to kind of jump in uh, in the pool to see how it goes. So I got a new job and most people would say, you should read about the company. You should study the company. You should, you know, go learn the products. I went on a meditation trip and learned how to horseback ride. No joke. That's what I did. Um, and I tried not to pick up anything related to the company for the entire break that I had between the two jobs. I think there is an expectation when you're an executive that you have to come in and you bring these things and you got to know it all. And then they burn out. And then you wonder why. 
So I decided to try something different. Um, and so I, I, I did. I went and learned how to horseback ride. And I learned that I love horseback riding. So if anyone wants to go, I'm your gal. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm just wondering, is it true what they say that the higher up the chain you go, the more pressure you have right from the start of starting a new company? I would say yes, but you have to try to forget about the pressure. Uh, otherwise, as Kim said, you get like overwhelmed of everything and don't put too much pressure on you. I think... Um, there's like two sides of that. I mean, here at Datadog, there's still a VP, Steve. He's awesome. He's amazing. He runs the team. And so I still have somebody in the design org to go to, to look to. So I'm not actually like, like Maya gets to be the end answer for everyone. Like I still have somebody to go to. So I still have a nicety there. But I will say that I think if no one else puts the pressure on, when you come in and as an executive, you know, you go through lots of interviews. <laughs> <laughs> lots of interviews. So there's a, this is buildup that like, you're going to actually provide value and it's going to happen soon. Right. And, you know, and your designers, they expect you like day one to have something really good to say. I, I think I let them all down, but, um, you know, I think, you know, your immediate team is looking for you to be productive very fast. And then the upper, the uppers want to show, see that you have influence, you know, within a really good time frame. or, you know, they start asking you like, what are you doing? How are you doing? Should we have more conversations? So you, you mentioned day one. So you started, it was day one. Next thing you know, one week was over. Um, how was your first week? And at which point did you start creating a learning path? Um, Aircall onboarding is like amazing. So what they do is like they aggregate all the newbies and everyone starts the same day. So we have like two or three sessions a month. So it's like really collaborative. You feel like you're the band of the newbies. You're part of the, the team, you know. So it's really cool because everyone has a question. We have like a lot of sessions. So the onboarding was really amazing for that. So you get to know the product, the context of the company really easily. So that's really cool. And then... Uh, I discovered this day that two designers joined the same day as me. So it was like, hey, surprise. <laughs> um, but that was cool. We were like, okay, helping a bit each other at the beginning. So it's cool. But as you said, they expected a lot of their new manager. So pressure again. <laughs> and um, yeah, so what I did is I did like kind of interviews, like doing a bit of design process within the company. Like one-on-one with the team, uh, what you expect of a head of, what would you, how do you see yourself in a couple of days, months, years? And, uh, and yeah, try to get all the information of the team and making sure that uh, I could bring something. And also then I expand with my peers, like head of product and, uh, and then with my, with my boss. And for next quarter, I plan to go with the engineer's director. So yeah. I hope that they are ready for me. <laughs> You got this. I have faith in you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, day one. So little tidbit. I did a lot of user research in my background um, and interaction design, but I was a user research a lot um, for many projects. And so I treat 
like coming onto a company, like I use a research project. I'm like, okay, I've got to interview people. I got to take notes. I got to synthesize. I got to find the themes. I got to figure out what I got to fix. Where are my opportunities? What should I do? And sometimes I did it too fast. Like, you know, there were days where I would like, I'd be like, okay, I can do this. And then like, you know, I'd, I'd call Pedro and Pedro would be like, Kim, calm down. And I'd be like, oh yeah, okay. Okay, we got to keep, we got to wait. Like, you know, this is when your product manager would tell you like, you're, it's great, you're excited, but we're not ready yet, you know? And so you'd have to like wait it out a little bit. And so I still do that, you know? I think, you know, one of the things is like, as an executive, 90 days is not anything yet. And so it's really like at six months, you kind of finish that research project and you're like, okay, like I'm starting to actually understand things and can make more change. I was wondering first, what were your 30, 60, 90 objectives? When did you set those? Yeah. So this one was a a bit tough to kind of go back through that. And uh, yeah, for me, the first objective was like being adopted by the team, making sure that my team was like uh, confident working with me and that they really feel that I could bring value to them. So it was really important. I also had to hire a lead designer, just uh, had the opportunity to do it. And actually, I realized when we talked and we prepared everything that I set myself my own objectives. Like I really wanted to make sure that the product team then beyond see that the design team will change and will see things differently and we will improve the ways of working and we will like take the team to the next level. So it was important to, to kind of share what we are doing, what we plan to do and show that we are doing more than icons and picking the good colors, you know. Um, And then I had a lot of uh, objectives set by my boss, like trying to help anticipate projects and the needs and trying to also improve the the quality to have a, we have a higher level of expectation in terms of design uh, products and solutions that we could build together with the PMs. So it was really important to try to quickly understand how it works and where we could also influence and see how we could improve uh, the ways of working. You mentioned, I have a follow-up question. You mentioned improving the design quality. How did you manage in the 90 days, I guess? Yeah, you know, it's a good one because uh, so there's a user researcher in the team and we really focus also on having a kind of research routine and trying to find a way to improve the ways of doing uh, like quicker research to have a a better feedback loops and improve that. But also working on the deliverables and trying to document a bit more the the solutions that we are building to have also like a better quality from the development team and and improve the ways of sharing that. But also sharing, improving the way we share the, the vision and the product that we want to build by doing prototypes and sharing prototypes across the PM team and the company. So building everything, trying to make a bit more tangible the design. So that's what we focus on. Did you manage in the first 90 days? It seems like amazing superpowers. for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, we started having all these kind of things. So yeah, we have a new design process uh, with a full month's routine, uh, including uh, some uh, iteration for uh, user research. Uh, We also work on 
on new ways of working, like doing prototypes a bit more advanced and so on. So yeah, it's kind of, it's the beginning. We still have a lot of things to do, but uh, we're really happy. Well, I'm really proud and happy of what the team like change and is making today. So yeah, that was a yeah a good start. That's amazing. Like 90 days is definitely not enough. And we're going to talk more about that also as a follow-up after, but good job. Thank you. So my, my, oh yeah, we're on objectives still. Okay. So my objectives, um, I, I, anyone that knows me knows I always have goals in mind. Like I always have some objective going if you get to know me. Um, and so by week one, I had written objectives for myself and the team. Um, again, remember I took all those notes and summarized them and themed them. And then I started talking to all of my manager peers and they said, chill out, um, which was appreciated. Um, and then meeting with our VP, Steve, um, you know, he gave me some very clear objectives around, you know, our team was really um, newly formed. All the teams were, were micro teams and we were kind of building to this bigger team at my level. And so, you know, we really needed to build that and that's still going. Um, and then also I had to understand the products. Um, I'm in a really large product space that's super technical. And so I started meeting with developers to learn the system architecture because even at the director level, if you don't get down a little deeper, you won't understand why a developer is telling us no and if we should push back, right? Uh, we won't understand if the PM is is balancing the market and the, you know, the possibilities. And so I've been digging in. It's been hurting my head, but it's it's going really well. I have some fabulous developers that have been going through all of the system architecture of Datadog with me. And it's a slow process, but it's good. Um, and then Datadog also has a bunch of onboarding and training to kind of balance like the user perspective and how the tool actually just works in general. So kind of bringing all that together to kind of understand so that we can actually make moves going forward. Okay, talking about objectives, do you have any tips on how to write clear objectives? Onboarding objectives, but this could apply to objectives in general. Yeah, I like to kind of do a kind of small to-do list that is like on the first page of my notebook, like things that I want to reach uh, as quickly as possible. So like, um, for instance, it was a lot about communication, communicating what the design team is doing beyond like the value we could bring beyond uh, just uh, doing deliverables. But uh, yeah, I've got those five, uh, five items and I still have one to tick. So I have to work on it. Show off. Um, <laughs> the when you get to this level, and as you move into this level, you always have to be selling yourself. So if no one told you that, start selling yourself more because you're selling yourself short by not. So I actually have a Google Doc. No, I will not share it, Teo. Um, that has um, like from the month I started, like what goals I thought I was hitting where I thought they were hitting, where they missed, where I changed for every month already since I've been here. Um, and before, I normally do this quarterly, to be fair. So I will shift probably in about six months to quarterly where I, you know, I start to align with the team and align to where they're going. But right now it's a perspective on just like, am I making some small wins? Am I making some progress? And do I have things that I can push back to the company and say, yeah, look, this is what I'm doing and how I'm helping. No, that's very interesting. What I'm hearing is that it's not just about writing the clear objectives, but 
following up, measuring them, having a specific timeline. Like for you, Kim, it's quarterly, for example. And Maya, you mentioned starting small so that it's yeah. achievable. But that's where you see that she comes home, user research, and I'm more like <laughs> different, a, less, a bit less structure maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's important to have a kind of set your own objectives and try to follow them better in a structure or less structured way, but also, as you said, communicate them. It's like trying to show what you're doing and the value you bring to the company. I think the other addition to that is that the goals that I have so far are for me. They're not being shared outwardly to the team. Like they're, they're just about getting me to where I need to be and getting the team where I think they need to be. So they're, they're kind of evolving. Whereas, you know, in six months to a year, that will change, right? Then my goals are the team's goals and, and passing that, right? And talking about revenue and, and different things that are more important across the board. But right now, it's about kind of getting up to speed. Writing goals and objectives is an art. It can it can be tough. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also want to learn about any structured methods you use during the time um, to accelerate your learning. Um, so it's not always about learning, but also trying to get like operational and and. Uh, so I did the one-on-one interviews at the beginning, like doing a bit of research on how it works. And I had my notebook and I was doing sketch notes about interactions and, okay, so these guys worked with them and this one impacts this part of the product and all that. So I got this kind of small map that I did and I'm still updating actually. So it's really interesting for me. And I like to say that I've got a kind of prototype approach. So I was working with the design team and saying, okay, we should... Uh, try new ways of working. So let's try this. We do some tests for a week or two. We give feedbacks, we iterate, and then we, we it's come, becoming better. We are happy about it. We do a review one month after, and then we share, hey, this is our new ways of working. So try to follow this, try to give the, us insight about it. So it's also trying to like test and learn uh, with the, the, the team and getting everyone involved in the processes that we are building. So I already shared about user research. I think the other thing is that it's about um, making the three in the box whole. Um, we'll call it community, but you know, getting the dev and the product managers and the designers really aligned and working together for the end goal all the time. Um, so I call it three in the box. There are different names for it. Um, but I met with one-on-one -on -one with all of those people for multiple weeks. And then I was like, hey, you know what? We're going to try this all together. We're going to put three people in the room. Getting three people's executive calendars to match is probably the hardest game you will ever have at this level, even when they have executive assistants, um, which no, I do not. Um, and so I will tell you though, and then they were like, they got there and they were like, now what? And I was like, it's going to be amazing. Just wait. I was like, I'm going to give you an agenda. And they're like, oh, okay. Do we have homework? I was like, potentially, um, you know, but really getting them to the point where they see that meeting as such an important thing that they want to come to it and be there to help all the way down the line. So from an executive perspective, I have to make the space for the designers to do their job the best they can do. And part of that is getting all of the executives aligned and maybe even agreeing like 50% of the time um, and staying the course maybe, you know, one week at a time. Just kidding. More than one week. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like an, a way of us going about doing that. 
Very cool. Maya, you took the prototyping approach to accelerate your learning. Kim, you took the research approach to accelerate your learning. Very nice design, already centric approaches to use. Um, what were some of the opportunities you saw during this, uh, you know, quick learning path? And uh, so once you started accelerating your learning by using prototyping techniques and uh, research techniques, what were some of the opportunities? So the opportunity that I see is like expanding quickly to beyond the design team. So it was really design centric at the beginning and then try having the PMs involved with us in the process. And when I joined their call, it was like almost like a get my ticket to the design and that we are we have like anticipation we have like almost a quarter up front insights of what is expected for the next quarter we have a beginning of a clear roadmap shared in details with designers so we have the ability to like stop focusing on the small things and try to work on a bit more strategic aspect of the project so I'm really happy because now we are starting new project with the beginning of the year and designers are involved really like upfront from the beginning, from the first uh, spark of an idea. So that was like the real challenge that I would have expected when I joined. And I'm happy that I had the opportunity to do it quickly. So Maya, what do you think was your biggest win in your first 90 days? Oh, it's the, um, the fact that we have a weekly product update with the full product team. And once a month, it's a design update. So it's like, hey, if, You've got small topics. Maybe we share like 10 or 15 minutes with you. But now we're just going to talk about design. So this is what we did last month. These are the, we are demonstrating prototypes or new ways of working, new methodology on projects. And we are also showing what we plan to do. So just remind PMs, if you forgot something, you may not be uh, on time for, for this time. So you will, may have to wait for the next round. So for me, it was really the biggest thing, like trying to be more organized as a, as a design team, but also being able to share it with the product team where we belong. Yeah. What about you, Kim? Any opportunities you saw during your first 90 days? Yeah. I mean, I think that I was still learning the product. So my design teams are running. They were doing well for the most part. They didn't have any major, like nobody was screaming, you know, um, which was good. And so... Um, when you're an executive, you come in with a team, you're like, okay, so they're okay. Where's the, you know, where's the bigger, you know, opportunity? So of course we saw opportunities around, um, hiring and, you know, making sure the teams were balanced and things like that. So we worked on that. But in addition to those kind of things, um, taking that larger view, I was able to see that there was an opportunity around design management, um, at my last company, I ran a group, I co-ran a group with another person that um, we, we taught like skills to designers on how to be design management at first level. So they really understand that level. Um, and I brought this up and they were like, yep, we know. And then there was a partner, Paul, who was like, yes, let's do it. Um, and so we started the wonderful world of design management um, which meets every two weeks. Um, and we're kind of, I call them teachable moments. You know, we're doing topics that are appropriate to that time period, you know, for wherever they're at, but also some things that they don't even know they might need or want to learn about. Um, and then there were other things that I saw as opportunities around um, the feedback culture of Datadog and like 
giving critical feedback in different ways and different methods. Um, And I took a different approach with that one. Um, I really started to understand the Datadog way of doing OKRs. And we actually now have an OKR for 2023 around feedback culture and kind of looking at it broadly and really including the entire team instead of kind of taking a myopic like team approach to that one, stepping back and looking at the whole organization. Can you actually talk a little bit more about the wonderful world of management and who's invited to those sessions? And if you want to share. Sure. It's the wonderful world of design management. We don't just let anyone in, um, but everyone's welcome. Um, the design management is is specifically focused for people that are upcoming in management, like or have maybe like a single, like a lead that might have a single report. Um, but basically you have to have on paper someone reporting to you and then it's all focused on first line. So no managers reporting to managers in there, no leadership. You know, it needed to be a really safe space for them to learn, but also to ask the uncomfortable questions, um, which in design management exist more than you realize. Um, and so, yeah, they we did some activities at first around the hero's journey of what a design manager should look like. Um, it was like a workshop activity. And we took that feedback with the feedback from the leadership team. And we now have an entire backlog for the year of topics that we're going to go over every two weeks. Very cool. I'm part of these sessions and I can say that they're very helpful and useful, the company. And and by the way, all of these tips related to writing goals and objectives and also accelerating your learning, um, would you agree that they can be applied to a change of role within the same company and not necessarily a complete change of jobs? So, yeah, I mean... Looking back at my last job, I changed many jobs, right? I didn't start as a design executive there. I was there for seven years. Um, And so I changed roles and I kind of learned as I went. And I think it's a process, right? Like you're kind of, you're learning what you want. The company is learning what they want from you. And you're you're always matchmaking. I just want to make a Tinder joke, like somebody's always swiping, like, (laughs) Um, but you know, it's, yeah, at the end of the day, you you have these, I, you know, I call them impact statements. Um, And yes, I have a blog on that. If you want to learn more about how to write impact statements, but you know, if you can write impact statements about your work at any level, I guarantee you people will listen to what you have to say more. Any tips on writing really good impact statements? <laughs> I have a, a whole examples on LinkedIn for you because my designers told me I was being too fluffy when I explained it at one point in my career. And so I have literal examples, but um, it's about actually taking all of your work and making it tangible to understand. This is the moment when you have to think like a product owner, right? It's the moment when you have to make it tangible and not just say, I made great designs. Isn't it fabulous? You know, this is the moment where you need to say, I actually, so one of my impact statements that's out there is that I had the largest um, diversity number for all of the design organization at IBM for the last two years. And I quoted a percentage. This is a podcast, so I'll be good. But um, there's a percentage out there. Um, And so that statement holds a lot more weight than saying, I help diversity. It's like, sure, but what did you do? Um, and the other way to look at it is a lot of people like to say, well, I did two projects. 
or I did two things, you know, and that's a number. So they think that's good, but you're missing the impact of that, right? It's more like, um, you know, we saw 10% uptick in our revenue because I fixed this feature and changed it this way, right? Um, And so from a management perspective, we have two levels, right? We have the team's impact, we have our own impact, and then we have like the bridge impact, which is like the bonus of the team and you together, you get impact statements there. And um, I could go into how guys and women say those things differently, but I'll wait because I think you're gonna ask me that later. Or maybe Q&A also, people interested in even more. Um, but looking back, were the first 90 days critical for you? Do you think that the onboarding phase is even more critical in a design leadership space? Well, for me, like the onboarding part was a bit frustrating at the beginning because it was when you reach a company, you cannot like start everything from scratch you had to finish the ongoing project. So it was like, okay, we have this project to finish and it was like here for a long time and there is a high level of expectation, but you maybe not confident into the solution that has been done, but you have to help and finish that. And then you can start the new project from the beginning. So this was really like something tough for me at the beginning. And also, like, as I said, like having two new people starting the same day as me. So now you know that you have to ramp up like really quickly on the product and the objectives and the things to do and try to make sure that they get everything to start also as in a good condition. So it was really hard for me at that time. Were the expectations high also? Yeah, also. <laughs> so yeah. How did you manage them? Um, in fact, I include them into helping me ramping up and sharing it and also trying to get uh, uh, to have them involved with the PM, getting the insights so we can cross a check or every every information that we had. So it was also a way to to work that way. So yeah, trying to get them also impacted by the fact that I'm new and getting them to help me too. So it was uh, hard at the beginning, but then we find a quick way to do it and find uh, key topics to work on. So it was really good. Yeah. So I think the 90 days is super important, but I'm going to tell you something that no one told me until I became an executive, which was that if you have executive sponsors in your life, sponsors are just people that actually help keep you going. Like they tell you like, you're doing great and I'm going to help you go get that job because you're that's you, right? These are the people that like, you want surrounding around. They were like, I have to tell you something now, Kim. And I was like, what's that? Like three months into the job, you're going to want to quit. And I was like, why? Do you know something about this job? They're like, no, all executives do this. And I was like, what? And so then I started talking to my, like my executive friends and they were like, oh yeah, it's true. And I was like, what? Why? I was like, explain this to me. But there's like this disconnect, right? As an executive, this is your community. You're leaving and you're starting a new community. And like, you have to find your space and you have to find what works well. And so it makes sense when they said it that way, but they could have said it a little nicer to me. Um, But it does, I think it is super important for you to like find that space for yourself and find that space within the company. And I'll say it probably takes more than 90 days to do that, but those 90 days help onboard you. 
Um, no, I'd like to talk more about objectives, actually. And we're very curious to know what are your design objectives for 2023 since we're in January and the start of a fresh new year. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, continue working, like doing cross collaboration with the PM and and beyond the engineer team. Uh, it's something really important to me, um, but also like uh, make a bit more well, try to find a way to ease the user research uh, operation. Like today, recruiting people at their call is a bit complicated. So we need to find a way to improve that and again, have quicker feedback loops. Uh, so that's really something that we want to improve. Um, Figma files organization and design ops part and all that, like uh, ways of working, trying to build a single source of truth, make it clear, accessible to anyone. Uh, that's something really important. Um, and there is something important to me is that I plan and I said to my boss, we have to do this. So every two months, I want to have a couple of days with the design team and do creative stuff get a bit out of the operational daily work and trying to ramp up, build something, create a new, a new features, whatever. And we will try to have this starting February, I hope. And yeah, and I've got a strong objective for my boss is like, is like really into user journey. So I'm happy about it, but we are a small team and we have a lot of work, but uh, I definitely need to find a way to build those user journey. That's really an objective for me. And also I want to keep on communicate, but more at a company level uh, about what we are doing as a designers and, and yeah, and so many things to do. And uh, it's just the beginning of the year. I find it so cool to learn about people's objectives. It's like peeking at someone else's backyard and like <laughs> yeah. seeing like, hey, what are they up to? That's great. Good good luck. It's a long list, but yeah, I'm sure. It'll I'll do my great. best. Yeah. I didn't bring my my book for you guys, but um I mean higher level, right? We have that OKR for feedback culture um for the year that I'm held responsible and that has uh, key results every quarter that we're working towards to meet. And there's a, there's a lot in each one. Um, I've claimed we're going to do trainings and activities to learn how to do critique. And Pedro's going to do all of it uh, for me. But just kidding. Pedro's got it all done already. Um, every quarter, though, we have, you know, different key results that we're going to try to hit for that. Um, and so that's going to be very exciting and a big objective. Um, the other one that I always have for my teams, which has already started to sprinkle into my teams, is just we need to leverage, I'll say, data in some way better, whether it be, you know, metric data, whether it be research data, like we just we want that intertwined into the process more. And so anytime I see opportunities, I'm going to try to push that. That's always an objective for me. So obviously for you as well, Kim, that's a lot of objectives and you just mentioned Pedro will do it. I'm sure other designers will do it. I will also be very involved in your objective. So how do you build your, what do you even call it? Community of yeah, people, community. Your, yes. your stakeholders that will help you with your objectives. And like, where do you see your impact uh, being as the owner of that objective? So because Pedro is also my boss here, he made sure that we wrote like success criteria, what success would look like, what we would get at the end of the year, thank God. So he made sure that we did a very thorough process. So I have answers for those questions. Um, 
I think we'll hit half of it. Um, so I think the key to being an executive is knowing that you're pointing way too high <laughs> and being okay with it. Um, but we have to rally the team. You know, um, I am a little bit much, as you can see, to handle. And so I'm like this with my team as well on purpose, right? I want our team to be excited about it. I want our team to want to do it. Um, and if we can't get that buy-in from the leadership, which I've done the work for the leadership level, right? Now it's for the team level. Um, then we have failed. I have failed, right? We need to see progress. But progress in my world as an executive... Um, oh, I can't do visuals because this is a podcast. So... Um, Progress is, is, you know, it could be a small little step. It can be a progress for us to see. Um, it's a different way of people thinking. It's a different way of people doing something. Just a tiny little change. Um, maybe a different agenda. Maybe uh, they start the, the clock different. Maybe they have a facilitator. Maybe they're, they've got a critique agenda. You know, um, maybe they're going to do live critiques in addition to written critiques. Um, so I truly believe what's gotten me here to this day is small wins. I am all about the small wins. I like big wins. I can't remember the last time I got a big win. Um, you know, everything is about the small wins. And so when I look at my objectives, I'm looking for those small wins. And when my teams have the small wins, I mean, I think you guys already know, like I go crazy in Slack. I'm like, oh my God. And they're like, and this is not that big a deal. And I'm like, yes, it is. It's a small win. Let's do it. You know, we have to celebrate too, I think, to make objectives valuable and to make us keep going on them. What about, what about you, Maya? How do you measure the success of your objectives? You know, it's like more about like uh, feelings and sharing and making sure that uh, everyone kind of understand it. But uh, sometimes I like, like, you know, like, we talked about the value of the team. So when a project cannot start, if the designer is not in the room, I'm happy. This is like a win and a way to measure the success of the impact that we are having. So it's also this kind of little details and little, little win that we could have that are really valuable to me. That, that's great. Um, we wouldn't be able to end tonight without touching upon a very important subject, gender diversity in tech and especially in design leadership. So you're both women in leadership roles and in a very engineering driven company. Do you have any biases and do you feel like there are certain expectations um, as a woman executive? Well, for me, uh, before joining EFCOL, I heard a lot about equity and, and, and a lot of topics that were raised. And I was like a bit concerned. Is it like about having good communication on the, every social network or is it like really true? But it's the first time that I really see a company where we have a lot of women in leadership. Uh, it's really interesting to me. And I really feel like, well, it's not half-half, of course. Uh, the engineer part is way more male oriented than female but uh it's like yeah for me it's really a good uh it's the first time that i see as much women as uh in the company and having like executive roles so that's really cool and for me i didn't have any like a lot of bias by being a woman it's more like my bias are more here because i'm a self-made designer and in france it's a bit complex when you don't have any degrees and uh, don't have any um, diploma that makes you like a, 
official uh, executive uh, leadership in design. Uh, so it's more that kind of bias that I could have than being a woman. Uh, it's more like, yeah, so sometimes I say to myself, oh, you have to stick to the table with your peers. Don't, even the meeting is over, they keep on talking, stay here. And then, okay, uh, you don't have to do too much. Uh, you don't have to be bad, but uh, sometimes, you know, like women are sweet and nice and you have to also sometimes show that you can handle com conflicted situation, hard things and take decision and trying to be a bit, yeah, like that, a bit bossy. Is it? Yeah. But uh, even if I don't like it, I really feel that we could do things like in a sweet way. Um, but yeah, so for me, I don't see really a difference being a woman, but it's more like my bias. My own bias is more by, because I'm a self-made designer. Um, I don't think we're where we want to be um, with uh, gender balance in the U.S. in most companies. Um, Datadog being one of them that it's an initiative they're on, and I think they're working hard at it. Um, thanks, Datadog, you brought me in. Um, <laughs> but I think there's still opportunity to grow there. Um, I think that when you look at executives as women across the United States, um, I've done a lot of interviewing and some of the answers were amazing to me. So I thought you might enjoy these. Um, one interview said, you've never had 150 reports, so you can't be an executive. And I said, design hasn't been around long enough for any woman to have 150 reports. So you're basically telling me that you don't want a woman for this job? And he said, yes. And I said, okay, thanks. Have a great day. Have fun. Um, you know, so you still, and these things surprise me. I was one of four women in my graduating college course, you know, like for my undergrad. So it's not new to me to not have women around me. Um, but I was very lucky at the same time. I grew up in a time frame where women were kind of being promoted and, and around me. And so I've had some awesome, you know, um, women leaders that have worked with me. But I feel like we've gone a little backwards recently um, in promoting them, in fairness, um, and also just supporting them, you know. Um, but on the other side of the coin of that, because of all of that, I hold my own bias as well. And so I think sometimes I assume things um, that will people will do. So I told you I would share my personal story. I'll share my personal story. I have... I technically have cancer. And when I was going through uh, this interview process, I was scared shitless that if they found out I had cancer, they would not hire me because there's an assumption that comes with cancer. I'm three years past. Chill out. We're fine, team. We're fine. Um, you know, uh, that, you know, they wouldn't hire me. They would look at me differently, you know. And I know plenty of women that won't tell people that they're pregnant, you know, because they can't you know, oh my God, you're going to take time off and that would be terrible. Um, and so I think that there's that we put on ourselves. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not, but I'm hoping we get to a better place where like, you can just say that and it's okay. We work past it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing your personal stories. It's interesting to see the difference between the US and France and how women in executive roles could be seen. And perhaps for you, Mai, it's more your perspective working at smaller French companies. Yeah, yeah, it's true because like sometimes I try to be like candidate in bigger French companies and it's like 
you don't have your diploma. Okay. Uh, thanks. Next. So I was like, okay, I'm feel happy that maybe I don't want to work in that place. Um, I really need like a place where I can feel like it's kind of open-minded and making sure that we can value also like your 20 years of experience, yeah. feeling old. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think it's like trying to find the value of everyone. And, and the thing is that I think that everyone can bring something as long as you get involved in the team and in the product. And, and yeah, so I think it's a bit sad in France that we are still like um, diploma oriented. Yeah, I agree <laughs> on both parts, like the US and France yeah. could use some learnings and improving, but uh, we're right on track. Hopefully we're moving towards the right steps. Um, so talking more about the future, how are you helping to hire and support women leaders in tech? Well, for me, it's like, yeah, trying to have everyone like on the same uh, table stack, like uh, don't care if it's a man or women in front of me. It's just like trying to value the expertise and experience. Uh, yeah. And I'm also really interested in Aircall approach. They have a lot of groups uh, to promote, to like mentor. So groups for women and equity, but also for different queer, like queer call and uh, black collective, Asian initiate Alliance. They even have a book club that is like really cool. So you have a book like talking about every minority that we could have. And we can also like explore through like book reading uh, uh, understanding a bit more maybe the different minorities. So it's really cool. So I think that there is a, really something in Aircall that is really valuable and that feel really attached to that point of view. So that's really cool. Wonderful initiatives. Yeah, so every initiative, we have all of those, but they have some dog nickname for them because Datadog is extremely good at naming things. Um, but I would say also, I feel... Um, it is part of my executive job to try to help more in this area. I think there was a long time in my career where I was like, what? I don't need to do this. It's good. We're good. There's somebody there. And then I got up here and I was like, oh, hmm, I guess I need to help more. Like I should help more. Um, and I didn't used to talk about it much. And I didn't used to, you know, push people like, if you say girl around me and it's for someone under the or over the age of 18, I'll remind you that they're named a woman. Um, like, and I will do that in every conversation. Ask my parents. They're really loving that. Um, so I think, you know, part of it is, is talking more, making a space. I will take a meeting with anyone on my calendar around this topic now, and I will listen and not, I'm now taking it to the executive team and giving them feedback and they've asked for, you know, more information in this area, which is good. And I, I try to mentor and coach those equally, right? Um, but also if there's people that want on this topic, I try to take them on to the best of my ability and try to help them. I think the one thing I saw growing up in my career was that everybody always said, well, here, we're going to mentor you to be a leader. And it was always a man. And I said, but I don't want to be a leader like you. I want to be a leader like me. And so I'm trying really hard to help mentor, coach people, just who they are and, and giving them the skills to do the job and let them find their space. That's beautiful. Thank you for everything you do for the design, the women design leadership space specifically. I would like to open the floor now for questions. 
Any questions in the audience or remote? Okay, um, so I have several questions, but I think I will sort some of them. Um, but uh, I think um, what I what is stress interesting is that you said that um, you was feeling pressure from um, uh, your designer that was already here, and now you are their boss, and you have to to tell us what to do. But um, did did you feel that? Um, you was putting pressure on them when you came and if they was uh, um, waiting something from you. Yeah, that's that's something that I hope that it, I didn't put too much pressure on them. And that's why like the first week I said one hour and I, the first question was, what do you expect of me? How can I make your life easier? What, how can I value your, what you're doing? Where do you want to be later on? And, and trying to get all for me as like a these are also like the, the kind of objectives that I want for you and I will help you on these topics and now you have to help me also getting on board and getting to do a great product so it was like a pressure also to me like does this way of managing a team will suit them or not and yeah trying to make sure that uh, they are happy about being here and trying to build really a strong team altogether but it was like pressure for me and i hope not too much pressure on them yeah i think that um when you start you know i don't use the word executive right like everest it's like i'm just a designer like it's okay um and then there are days where you need the reminder that like they are looking at you as if you're over here and that you have something to offer them and that you have answers and that you've got connections and so you have to kind of remember also to play that role for them so that you don't freak them out, right? Like, it's okay. We're just we're just doing this thing and we're going to get through it. And I'm not judging you right now. I'm not going to come and, you know, tear you apart. Um, and I think finding that place to give feedback and listen is really important. I think that helps kind of balance it. Yeah. Um, maybe um, another question is that when you came and you did all that um, onboarding, onboarding stuff, what uh, was in your point of view, in your opinion, uh, the first boss thing you did? Uh, the first time you did something uh, like an executive person? Maybe one point on my team's point of view is like starting aggregating all the to-dos they have on their own and trying to make it like one to-do, uh, like a team to-do and trying to define this. So this was more like uh, as manager, trying to get things a bit more organized. Uh, and then also like with my boss, like starting sharing my first like uh, impression on the team's ways of working and expectations also. So for me, it was like uh, getting to know a bit more from the project and making sure that he understand that I can have a view on what's going on or not sometimes because it was a bit blurry, but yeah, trying to yeah, communicate with them also like, like in a transparent way uh, is the VP of product and then saying, okay, I've got an understanding on this part. I need more information, but also trying to be transparent with him so he can also help me ramping up. So trying to be honest and say, yeah, I'm missing information. I need your help from him. And 
my team, I'm here to help you and we're going to do it all together as a team. I think I have layers of that answer. I think, you know, for my boss, it was when I, I came back and said, you know, these are the things I'm seeing. Here are my recommendations. And here's why, from my experience, if you skip these things, this is where you're going to be in six to eight months. Um, and so that was very powerful for him. Um, I think I have two layers. I have, you know, uh, Tio, my leadership level, and then I have my team level. And the moment I think my leadership, probably my first leadership was when I got them a priority list for the first time from all of the executive team. Um, we did a lot of Slack excitement over that. Um, and then my team probably still out on my team. They probably are still curious what the heck I'm doing. Um, I think they see moments. You can ask them, but I think they see moments, but I don't think the impact is there for them yet. We have a question online. How did you realize you were meant to be a leader? I can take this because I've done different talks and I've answered this question multiple times. I've been a boss since I came out of the womb. Um, my mom and dad will tell you this. Um, I have always said like, I'm going to run teams. Um, and I take after my dad who run, who ran teams. Um, I always tell the story of like your, do you have in France the take your kids to work day? So I went to take your kids to work day and I saw my dad and I came home and I said, I'm going to be my dad. And my mom said, well, what did you see him do? I said, he tells people what to do. And she was like, that sounds about right. Um, <laughs> and then I combined it with design. Um, but no, um, I actually started in teaching. Um, I mean, I went to school for interaction design and I, I've taught almost every grade level. I ran a game department uh, at the college level. And so the foundation of everything I do is around teaching. And so I actually find leadership just another form of teaching. For me, I think it's more like my background. So as a self-made designer, I had the opportunity to meet people who like help me grow and become more experienced and, and all that. So having this kind of uh, career path, uh, getting to know people like experts and having great experience, teaching me the way to become better and better. And it's something that I finally wanted to share with everyone. So I was like, okay, so now I want to help people getting better and trying to facilitate the work and being happy with the fact that we all deliver something as a team. So yeah, for me, it was more like based on the way I enter into the, the work and, and the ways of working with the, the, the amazing people that, that trust me and that helped me become a, a leader. I have a, a lot of questions. <laughs> Um, my first question is, when do you imagine that your impact will be visible and that you will be embedded in the team and that everything that you want to put in place, like you would be like rightfully the leader that you want to be in your organization is my first question. And my second question is, I'm a design ops manager, so I'm very interested in how you see collaboration with design ops. And I leave the third questions for later. <laughs> Yeah, for me, it's like, um, so I still have a small team, so I'm having a lot of one-on-ones. And the first question is always, how, how, how is it going? It's not about the project and making sure that people feel happy about the work, maybe a bit personal life also, uh, but make sure that they have a good balance and all that. And 
for me, it's like when people say, hey, you know, I'm happy that you join and now we are doing things in a better way. And, and when they start also like getting involved and saying, oh, I've seen that, I like it, but maybe we could go beyond and go, move forward on that topic. So for me, it's really like where I see that I've got an impact on my team. So I think that, um, let's see if I got this first question right. Yeah. It's about impact, right? Um, <laughs> um, I, I think that culture is very, very important to me as a team. And if the team is is starting to work together as a larger team, because remember, they were separated before. So bringing them together is a step in the process. Um, my last job, I was there for seven years. It probably took me six years to feel like I was like in the groove, to be really honest with you. Um, I do think it takes about two years, to be honest, to get to where you know all the right people and the products, and you've got the team gelling, even if you're changing the team members. But in that process along the way, I don't think it takes year, two years to show all of that. I think, again, it, it's about six to 12 months, in my opinion. Um, and then about the partnership with the design ops, I've already mentioned Pedro. Pedro's our awesome design ops. So he's here. Um, but I think working with your design ops is only going to make your team stronger, right? They are the core of everything you're doing, especially at a large company. And you can go around design ops and then it's going to be painful. I had a team do that once. They went around design ops um, or before design ops existed. That Back to that 20 years experience. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but in general, I think the teams have to... It has to be a partnership. I think when it fails with design ops is when it becomes... Um, just to give and and then the team is just taking I think that's when it it becomes bad it has to be a two-way street in my opinion yeah so we're a small team we don't have any design ops today so I'm a bit the design ops of the team um, but it's something that we really want to well I hope if the tech situation evolves that we will have a design ops soon because for me it's really key to have someone like helping the team being consistent and uh, being able to share our beyond the design team and getting more structured. And for me, it's like saving a lot of time to do like creative time and and explorations and, and being more organized. But I agree with you that it shouldn't be like a, like a service of the design. And it's really more like we work together, part of the team and uh, and doing it all together. So... For me, it's, it's facilitating and and structuring things. So it's really key. But um, as a real team member. I think we have time for two more questions. There's one online that I'll ask really quick and then I'll jump to you. After making the jump from IC to leadership, did you miss the day-to-day -day design work? How did you get to scratch that creative itch nowadays? I'm lucky that I have a small team so I can still be hands-on. And... I don't know how you do. <laughs> I sometimes need to deep dives in Figma, do crazy things and, and, and yeah, uh, be still a bit uh, contributing about the, the design. So I let you answer this one. Okay. So it's design is different at this point, right? So what I design is different at this level. I do get really excited to make like, figmas of org charts. I know that doesn't sound very exciting to you, but it is really exciting. Um, sometimes I have to visually make them just to make my, you know, happiness. But um, 
I think the thing about being a design executive is that like, say there's a, a product strategy coming up and we recommend a workshop, I might stay more involved to help make sure the direction of that workshop and how that workshop is handled and the activities um, are going down. And so, you know, that kind of like, oh, like I'm involved. That's cool. Like, but am I like in Figma and a Figma file anymore? No, I really am not. Um, when did that change? Again, I've been... I've been a manager for a very long time. Um, but when I was being an IC, it was all about uh, prototyping. I was in, you know, mostly interaction or research, right? So I told you I'm doing research all the time. So that I'm still doing. Um, and then the interaction design was really about like trying things and seeing if they work. And so if you're my team members, this is a secret about me. Like, I love when they're like, look, I tried this thing and look how cool it is. Like that somehow like gets me so excited that it almost feels like I've still, I'm still scratching that itch that way. Or when they fail, I love when they fail and I can help them like learn from that. I'm like, yes, like that. Like I come home, my poor husband, I'm like, I have to tell you this story. And he's like, oh God, help me. And he's a really good sport about it. But I'm like, I got to tell you about how they failed. And then what I told them and I'm like, look what they did with it. It wasn't even where I was headed. Like they did something cooler than that. That is magical to me. Thank you so much, Kim and Maya, for sharing with us today. And first of all, especially thank you for everything you do for the design leadership space. Can we have a big round of applause for Kim and Maya? Thank you. Thank you.